0: welcome to digital hospitality i am your host sean walcheff this is a cali bbq media production every week we talk about our ongoing thesis and that is digital hospitality every business needs to be digital first and every business needs to be in the hospitality business what does this mean this means that there is an incredible opportunity for both brick and mortar businesses plus online businesses to understand that there's two ecosystems and the ecosystems that connect the most, is technology and storytelling. So our job every single week is to find people that are playing the game within the game, the people that are leaders in their respective spaces, people that we admire, people that are doing things that are are different and innovative, but more importantly, that are helping bridge this gap, starting to understand the ecosystem so that you, the listener, can find opportunities in your business um, so that you can grow. Today, we have Stephen Hoffman, CEO of Founders Space. Uh, Welcome to the show. Sean, it is fantastic to be here so a mutual friend jason jebson who also hosts a podcast um he is a incredible thought leader and he very rarely recommends guests to me but when he does my ears perk up and um, once he sent the email to me i started doing a digital deep dive into what you were building and what you've built and um my goodness you've been you've you've been doing some significant work in the in the founder space
1: i have i have you know we run a startup incubator and accelerator a global one based out of San Francisco, but we have partners all over the world. And I'm also an author of books. My most recent being surviving a startup, which is about what we're going to talk about.
0: So let's talk about surviving a startup. I mean, a lot of people that listen to this show, we talk about the entrepreneurial cliff, you know, jumping off of that cliff. If you have this idea for a product or service and finding the, the product fit, the market fit, and understanding, you know, how are you going to document that along the way? How are you going to build community? How are you going to gain traction? How are you going to scale? How are you going to exit? All that fun stuff. Um, tell tell us why. You know, why Founderspace?
1: So the, the reason is I've done three venture-funded startups myself in Silicon Valley. I did two bootstrap startups. So I kind of know both sides of the coin, you know, what it's like to pay for everything yourself, to sweat it out, to grow it organically, and what it's like to raise venture capital and go through that whole process. And I'm also an investor. So I looked at startups from a lot of different angles. And in the hospitality business in particular, you know, entrepreneurs, it's not easy. It is tough to survive. As, yes. as you know, uh, there's a lot of competition there. Are, you know, Right now, we're facing increases in wages, which is really cutting into profits. Uh, there are supply chain issues that people are dealing with, not to mention COVID, which is never seems to end, yep. but hopefully we're at the end right now. But it, it hasn't been easy. And what I tell entrepreneurs, no matter what business you're in, differentiate yourself first. Why should people come to you? Why you? Like there are so many other places they can spend their money and their time. If they're going to come to you, you have to give them a really good reason. Now, what I don't like is for entrepreneurs to give five reasons. Like they can come (laughs) to me for this and this, and then they also get this. And then there's an added bonus, this. Yeah. Nobody does it, right? No, that's that's
0: the, a problem with a lot of salespeople. Is salespeople, they tell you too many solutions that you don't want.
1: Right. But really, for most businesses out there, people go for one reason. Like, yep.
0: they have the best darn
1: pizza in the world. I'm going there. Like, Correct. you know, that's where I'm going. I love it. Or, you know, the beds are so comfortable. You know, I just, I, can't, I, I always stay in that. Or it's the cleanest hotel I've ever stayed in. Whatever it is, yep. usually there's one reason. And you have to figure out where you're, you know, what are people going to tell their friends? What re- what really matters to them? Who's your target audience? What matters to them most? You know, is it price? Is it location? Is it, you know, the, the design, the the ambiance, the feeling? What is it? And can you really deliver upon that?
0: So I, I, we love lessons and stories. And one of the things with, with someone with your expertise, you've seen so many startups, you've talked to so many founders. Uh, One of the things we do love to talk about is communication is how do you communicate that message? How do you communicate that you are different Um, based off of your experience? Do you have any stories of anybody that did it really well? Anybody that was pitching because Pitching is very important and I don't think is is actually talked about a lot in business school. Um, I We started talking about it a lot more because it's telling your story. It's, it's one thing to pitch in real life. It's another thing to pitch the internet and pitch a, a TikTok video, but it's just as important, just yeah. as important to tell TikTok, tell LinkedIn, tell YouTube, just as it is to tell someone in real life that you're trying to raise capital.
1: So raising capital is a really good exercise, even if you never raise a dime. And I'll tell you why, because it actually forces you to look at your business and forces you to distill your business down to its essence. Because if you're really going to attract investors, you need to be able to summarize your business very clearly and cleanly. And this is the art of pitching. It's not putting together a, a PowerPoint deck you know, putting in 20 slides of, you know, this is the market size, this is the growth potential, blah, 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 blah. This is, you know, as I'll tell you right away, investors know all that already. If they're serious about invest, if they're serious investors, and they're looking into your sector, let's say it's restaurants or hotels or whatever it is, they're looking into that, then they've seen, they've seen hundreds of these right pitches. And so they know all the basics, you don't need to tell them that. What you need to focus on, and this, why it's so good is because it's not just investors. It's everybody you deal with, yeah. everybody you want to partner with, everybody you want to bring into your, let's let's just say it's a restaurant, right? Everybody mm-hmm. you want to bring into your restaurant, it's the same pitch in a different form yeah. because uh, what, what the investor needs to know is what anybody needs to know. And what is the value proposition you're making? Where does where are you creating what I call extreme value for your customers? By extreme value, I mean there's an area where the value you provide is so much greater than any of the competitors mm-hmm. that everybody chooses you. You know, m- most of us, why would we choose the second best? Oh, they have the second best hamburgers in town. Let's go. Like yeah. no, we're gonna to go to the best. Like whatever we. Oh, they have the, the you know the 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 second most romantic place to eat in town. No, let's go to the most romantic place if you want to take a date. Correct. Or when, you know, or the second best beer. Whatever it is. You know, you um uh, whatever you're delivering in your pitch to investors, you have to make that clear. Like why why are customers choosing us? Who are our customers? You know what exactly do they need from us? That we can give them that nobody else is really giving them in our market. That's your pitch and its essence. You know, people put in all sorts of other stuff into these pitches. You know, a lot of them put in lots of technology, especially where I'm from, Silicon Valley, you know, yes. ages of technology. Nobody cares about that. Customers and Technology
0: your- either works or it doesn't.
1: <laughs> you know. In your restaurant, you know, if you're touting your IOT technology or whatever yeah. you're doing, your your menus that are interactive, nobody cares. Like Correct. they care, like, is the service really good? Is it really fast? Is the food amazing? Is it a good environment? Like those mm-hmm. basics will always be true. Now, if technology can make those things better, then use it. If it can't, don't use it, right? So a lot of it is like technology in restaurants is great. When you really use it right, like, if, if, let's say big data, right? You know, I'm gathering data on all my customers. Well, the data means nothing. But how you use it means everything. Like, the more you know about your customers, the more you know about why they come in, where they go, where else they eat, you know, what, wh- what websites they browse online, what cars they drive, then you know how to market to these people, you know how to reach them. And one of the most important things like especially for the hospitality business that i think is going to define winners versus losers is who are those uh, hospitality providers that have an ongoing relationship with their customers and mm-hmm. the beauty of it today is that everybody has a computer in their pocket yep. right it's not showing up here but you know what it is it's a
0: phone it's a smartphone we talk right? about it all the time yep <laughs> everyone's got a point of sale in their pocket
1: right and it's not and and it's and it's a way Uh, Not just for you to sell them, but for you to have a dialogue with them, an ongoing dialogue about not trying to, you know, sell them the next burger, sell them the next whatever, you know, vacation. It's a way for you to sell them on who you are, your brand, your relationship to them. What do they get? What do they want out of you? And how can you keep uh, giving them things that are valuable to them so that you're always on top of their mind? when they come to buy, making buying decisions, you know whether it's traveling, whether it's eating out, whatever it is, that is a beauty. So if you're pitching to investors and you want to say why we're different or what technology we're using, all has to point in the same direction, right? Yeah. all has to point, it has to be very simple. Like th- you know, this is the relationship we have with our customers, these are our customers, that's why they come to us. This is maybe the technology we're using to actually amplify that, or to actually enable that connection to happen.
0: That's very fascinating. Uh, I mean, I'm, we're, we're fascinated with people that go out and raise money and, and, and build and build businesses, and we're people we're fascinated with people that bootstrap their own business. Um, yeah. You know, there, and, there's and, no one way to do it.
1: And I have advice to all of your members who are going out to raise capital, I write about this in-depth in Surviving a Startup, how to pitch investors. Like, And I'll give you some tips. Please. So, Because this, I've gone through this many times with myself and hundreds of other companies. So when you're going out to raise capital, the first thing you need to know is you shouldn't be talking at your investors. You shouldn't be talking to them. You should be talking with them. So you should have a dialogue. And remember, whoever's investing, if they're an angel investor, uh, they've probably run successful hospitality businesses. Yeah, Chances are, if they're investing in it, they understand you can learn a lot from them. You know, you're getting free consulting. So when you go into them and honestly, people invest in people they like, people they trust and people they feel like they can make a contribution to more than just their money right? Yeah. They can give their money to a lot of people, but they want to be a part of the business. That's a, why a lot of angel investors invest. So when you're going into them, and even if they're big corporations that are investing in you, same thing, they're individuals making those decisions and mm-hmm. they want to they want to be involved in your business. So when you go to pitch, the first thing you do is don't just go through your PowerPoint, like without stopping, <laughs> you know, a lot of people do this. No. see, what do you want to know? What do you want yes. to know about this? You know, you can give, and they'll probably say, oh, give us an overview. You can give them an overview, but make sure to pause and after each a slide and allow them to ask questions.
0: Socratic if, method.
1: If they are asked, you know, when you ask somebody, if somebody drones on and on and on about their sales pitch to you, yes. what do you do? You tune out, right? Correct. You're like, oh my God, okay, I, I know half of this stuff. But if you, if they allow you to ask questions, suddenly you're interested because you're, you're like, you're going you're to break. Yeah, your brain turns on. So you yeah. want to turn on the brain of your investor. And then the more they're talking, the more they're selling themselves psychologically, and the more information they're giving you about the market they're seeing, your competitors, the experience they've had. And after every pitch, lesson number two, rework your pitch. Like they just gave you a lot of feedback, whether they thought they were doing it or not. Like they, mm-hmm. they showed you the parts they were interested in. They asked you the questions that were most important. They gave you ideas. You know, if you're having a good conversation, take that and put that back into your pitch, refine your pitch. Do you, if you do this, you can be really awful when you start. And in a very short time, after like 10 meeting with investors, you can be really good <laughs> at, at pitching them. Num- lesson number three, Give you know, investors are like frogs. And I'm an investor, so I, I can say this, right? So <laughs> we're like frogs. You go to an investor, and you kiss that investor. That's called pitching, right? You yes. kiss them, and you hope that that investor will turn into your prince charming, yes. <laughs> give you all the money and everything you need, and then carry you away and make your dreams come true, right? That's what you want. <laughs> That's you good. Know? I like that. Yeah. You know, but I'll tell you, if you kiss the same frog three times and it doesn't turn into prince charming, <laughs> it's just a frog. Yes. <laughs> it's not an investor for you. So this is a big mistake uh entrepreneurs make we all you know if an investor is paying attention to us we feel good and we think mm-hmm. there's hope well honestly the first time you pitch an investor it's very unlikely you're going to close the deal they're going to write the check although it does sure. happen and it's happened to me like i've re- gotten that check i've gotten like six million dollars on the first pitch but it doesn't Get out of
0: here six million dollars yeah On the
1: first pitch like, that's a first... good
0: pitch how yeah. long was that pitch 45 minutes. <laughs> 45 minutes, 6 million dollars. That is impressive.
1: <laughs> yes. So I'm telling you it so you can possible.
0: do it. It's possible. It is
1: but it's unlikely. Yeah. Usually there's a second meeting, but when you're done with the first meeting, if you want to close the deal. Um and I'll tell you what I did on that meeting to close the deal. So I let that investor know in that pitch that I had another company had lined up a lot of other meetings for me and I yeah. casually dropped that, that comp- They were the first one I'm talking to, and I'm going to go out and talk to others. Investors are motivated by two things, fear and greed. We know this, fear right? We've greed. watched Wall go. Street, right? Yes. But honestly, their fear of losing their money has to be greater than their fear of losing the deal. No, they're opposite. Opposite. Yeah. I said it wrong. Opposite. Their fear of losing the deal has Correct. to be greater than their fear of losing the money. Yes. If you... So I planted the seeds of fear in this investor. Like, if that investor let me walk out the door, and it wasn't a hard sell, it was just casually mentioned that they might lose this deal. So yep. their fear of losing the deal was more than the money, and they're willing to dive in. So you, investors don't move on. On you know, they, if investor can wait to make a decision, they'll usually wait. Because the longer they wait, if they don't think the deal is going away, they get more information. They can find out how you're doing. Oh, come back in a couple months. You know, Talk to me then. We'll see your numbers at that time. Why not? Right. Yep. they think the deal is going to be around and they want to see if other people are interested, like, am I the only investor who thinks this is halfway decent? Like show me yeah. some other investors. They always say this, you know, I don't know. I, you know, when you get some other investors, call me back, you know, when or you get you know, some when, traction, yeah. yeah, get some traction. You hear this over and over. So you need to make them afraid that if, if, if they aren't going to take the deal now, they, they you're not going to be around. So after your first pitch, you need to tell them, is there any information you need to make a decision? Like, is there anybody you need in the room? Is there anybody, you any information from me? What do you need to make this decision? You Mm -hmm. have to ask them or they're not going to tell you. Then you tell them and then you give them that, right? And then you set up a meeting a week later, like, you know, be sure to bring anybody, any decision makers you need, blah, 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 go to that meeting, pitch them again, hopefully, you know, you got them to a point now, like, you know, I'm not, you know, you let them know in a very subtle way. You don't want to be too pushy that, you know, my time is really valuable. I'm talking to lots of people. So I need your decision. You know, are, yeah. are you able to decide today? If more often than not, they'll say no, like, oh, there's one more people I need to meet or I need to think about this. Then you say, okay, uh, we'll do one more meeting, uh, you know, a week from now. Um, but I want you at that point, if we're going to meet, to have everything you need to make a decision. And then the third meeting, I'll tell you, if they don't invest on the third meeting or the fourth meeting, it's not an exact rule, you know, it's rough. But after that, it's exponentially goes up the chance of the closing. And then yeah. it starts to exponentially go down. So you can have a dozen meetings after that. And you're, you the chance just gets lower and lower. <laughs> like wow. if they haven't you, and you think, oh, the more I'm meeting with them, we're forming a relationship. They're liking yeah. me. They're doing people don't invest that way right? Yep. They don't invest because they've met with you 20 times. In Correct. fact, they're more likely to met, invest with you when they've met you,
0: you know, three to three or you four You probably times. don't want that investor either.
1: <laughs> no, because they're on They the have fence. the time
0: to meet with you 20 times and vet your idea and ask your questions. They'll probably be there asking you every step of the way, what are you building? How are you building it? Why is it yeah. ready? And then
1: they're just looking loose and they require lots mm-hmm. of time and they give you false hope. So you end yep. up spending time and energy on them instead of go- being realistic and finding a new investor. So yeah. after the third time, literally kick them off the bus. <laughs> kick them off the fence is what you need to do and I call it pushing for a no. So instead of pushing for a yes, like get say yes, you say, look, you know, if you don't want to invest, it's fine. Like, yeah. you know, you just need to tell me now because I we can't keep going, you know, having meetings. I'm so busy, so much going on. I need to know. And a lot of times they'll say, "Well, call me when you're getting close to closing the round." don't. Or I follow, I don't lead. They're yeah. worthless to you at that point. Correct. Like anybody can come in when you're closing the round. You don't need them. You say, by the time I'm closing the round, I'll have all the investors on board. Like, Correct. If you want to be on board, you have to come on board now because there won't be room, even if I want to at a later Correct. time. And then say, but if you do, if if you want, if you don't, if you, and then say, well, we don't lead. Some people say they just don't lead. Then say, well, introduce me to a lead. If you introduce me to a lead, I will uh, I will include you in the deal. I'll
0: Perfect. make
1: sure. But if they don't introduce you to a lead, they don't get any guarantees, and you're essentially closing the door. That is how you close deals.
0: That is very very practical advice. Hope you guys were paying attention and taking notes. The good thing is this is recorded, so you can go back and uh, and write down the notes. So I've I've heard uh, there's many sayings when it comes to investors, and there's something that they say I I bet on the jockey and not the horse. Is that something that, that you do personally, or are you, do you bet on the jockey and the horse?
1: Absolutely. So, uh, you know, the horse is usually the idea and the jockey is the team that will execute on it. And, uh, so it's not exactly analogous to horse racing because you need a damn good horse in a horse race, (laughs) but, um, in, uh, we, I'll tell you this, I've seen, Teams with the best idea in the world, like they nailed it. I was like, Mm -hmm. this is brilliant. But the team, if they aren't a good team, they invariably fumble the ball at some point and somebody else picks it up and runs with it. Executing on a business is really hard. You could have the best damn idea for a a restaurant or hotel or whatever business you want in the world. If you can't run it- (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it's going to fail. It doesn't matter what industry it's in. Right. It's it's just not going to be great. The customers won't be happy. Nothing. You know, the food is burnt, whatever you it's, it's really hard. So when I am making an investment, um, I always look at the team because it's, it's very hard to change the CEO. It's very hard to the change founder. the team. Yeah. The founders, it's just, you're stuck with them, you know, yep. the beginning stages. And, you know, if you're trying to change them and they don't have money, it just all falls apart. <laughs> When uh, it's it's relatively easy to change direction, like, oh, we thought we were going to focus on pasta. We thought this neighborhood liked pasta, but they actually don't even, they don't want Italian food. Like <laughs> what yeah. they want is Thai food, you know, whatever. You know, you can, those changes can be made. Uh, but uh, changing the, the core team there, this is what I tell entrepreneurs. And it's really important for all your entrepreneurs out there. You have to be just like an investor when you're setting up your company. Don't think like an entrepreneur. So when you are starting your company, I want, I challenge every listener you have out there, spend 80% of your time not making the menu, not, you know, planning the location, not, you know, building out, you know, getting good prices on tiling and windows or whatever you need, you know, getting the licenses, not doing that. Spend 80% of your time at the very beginning, finding the right partners, the right team, The people who can totally execute on this. Like, man, we have like the best chef like ever, right? And they're gonna plan out a menu that is just like nobody else. And we have, you know, the best marketing person I could ever imagine, you know, as one of my partners, or the best designer to come in and make the place look like a million bucks, but it doesn't cost a million bucks. You know, whatever it is, spend 80% of your time not taking anybody you can find or anybody who's been available or even people you've worked with before, but really the best. Mm-hmm. And get them interested in your env- vision and make them a part owner of it. Because even if it's a small share, you know, if they're invested in making this a success, your ch- you know, what you want is as big a big pie as possible, right? Yep. You don't want a struggling business. It takes more work to run a struggling business, especially in hospitality. Yep. than it does a successful one. Like, so make it successful, right? Think bigger, Think bigger, you know, where could we go with this? Where could could we franchise it? Could we do this? Could we do that? What are the potential for this business? Sell them on that vision. That's what leaders do. You don't have to be the best chef in the world. You don't have to be the best, you know, interior designer in the world. You don't have to be the best marketing person in the world, but you have to be the person who finds those people, inspires them, brings them into your business, then brings investors in your, that's your job as, as the entrepreneur.
0: I think, you know, one of the most important things that people take away, especially if you're in the hospitality business or you're a restaurant owner or small business owners, that there's a sense of pride when you say that you're an owner operator because I'm willing to roll up my street sleeves and do anything possible. I've done all the jobs. But really, that advice that you shared is so powerful because, you know, if you think that you're the CEO of a small business, stop thinking that you're the CEO. Think the way that Simon Sinek talks about is a chief visionary officer and you use the word vision and we use the word pitch and the big idea and finding the people that can execute this big idea. Once you start working on your business as opposed to in your business, and it doesn't matter the size of your business, but the more that you can do that and have these big ideas and execute and communicate these big ideas and then actually execute set up the team to help you execute it, then now you're actually talking about building something that other that's going to attract other people, other yes. people that are going to work there, other people that are going to buy into the business, other people that are going to invest in the business, other people that want this business in their village, in their community.
1: You, I couldn't have said it better. And the only person who can do that is the CEO. Like yep. you, all the other jobs can be done by other people. But if you're spending your time doing all these other jobs, you're not doing your job. And Correct. your job is, yeah, what is the vision of this business? Why do people want this business? Why is it needed? Who do I need on board to make this happen? All your time should be going into that. Your job is to feed the business, to bring things into the business from the outside that aren't there. And everybody else's job is to take those materials that you're bringing in and build it. Not So that uh, mentality is absolutely essential If you're going to run a really successful business, if you're just, you know, not going to be struggling day to day, you know, with just a small business. And I'll tell you the, uh, the people, if you can't do that, well, find partner with somebody who can, like, honestly, you'll end up doing better. Not everybody has the talent to do that. Recognize like some people are just like brilliant at cooking or coming up with an amazing new recipe,
0: terrible at business. Terrible at That's- accounting terrible <laughs> terrible at inventory. <laughs>
1: don't do all those other things.
0: don't Correct. be the CEO.
1: find yes. somebody else partner with them do what you're great at. I get every everybody in your business should be doing what they're absolutely best at because otherwise you're wasting your talent and you're yep. wasting your time.
0: Yeah so i've I've heard that if you're fundraising and you want advice, ask for money. If you want money, ask for advice. is that true?
1: It can be. So a lot of people use this. I'm asking, they, you know, they contact me all the time. I just want advice.
0: (laughs) Yeah. I want advice, but they really, but do they really want money? They always, they, they, always they always want, want money. money. They
1: always want money. They always want money. Since you
0: have money to pass on, advice. why don't you? Why don't you pass on some to? We're building the Amazon Prime of Barbecue over here in San Diego. You can if send they, us some money while you're yeah, at it. They want money. If they wanted advice, they could read my book. Yeah, <laughs> correct. I mean, they don't need me on the phone. No, or look just, at any of the published content that you have online. I mean, yeah, a ton, ton we'll, we'll get to, we'll get to that next because I think that's important. But go ahead. Keep yeah. Going. So
1: so every. It, You know, that is true, but people who are kind of on the receiving end, if they're savvy, they know like what you really want. But what I told you earlier was when you're going in for uh, to pitch for money, you know, listen to their advice, like the advice is really valuable. And I'm not saying don't ask for advice. I think asking for advice is is great. Um, but there's no shame in asking for money either, because yeah. honestly, people, if you really want advice, just ask for advice. If you really want money, just ask for money. But when you're asking for money, also make sure to get their advice. So that's that's my there you goal.
0: go. That That's a good qualification. I like that. So one, one of the most important things that we talk about, you know, always is is sharing your story. And I think, you know, that comes from a deep place for us. Being we opened in a location in 2008 and part of San Diego, you know, the height of the economic recession that people tell you location, location, location. We opened in a very difficult location, mm-hmm. struggled to get people to come into our restaurant, care about what we were doing, tried all different types of marketing. And it was really once we decided to share our own story, start to use all the apps that were available to us, start to use Facebook, our website, Yelp, Google. Instagram, now TikTok, now Instagram you know, blogging, podcasting, really to share our own story. And then we started to get all this earned media attention, all the attention that we wanted way back in the day that we couldn't get. We started to get once we learned how to better tell our story, but also published our own story. When I go to your website, I go and see how much content you have published on all these international publications, Forbes, Entrepreneur, you name it, and you're publishing content. Why is it so important for you to share your knowledge and to publish content on legacy media sites?
1: So think of your customers. They're spending huge amounts of time online now. Like more than ever we could have ever imagined. You know, yeah. everybody's online all the time. You know, I mean I just read are. I
0: read I read a statistic. It was that five and a half hours on on like his average smartphone usage per day per Isn't the, like
1: that the, insane?
0: And, and three of those hours is on social media sites.
1: Yeah, and when I was a kid, people had zero hours. Yeah, so zero hours, correct. Yeah, so yeah. now we're five and a half hours, and it's going up.
0: So it's going up. Well, it's a lot it, more for me. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'll tell it's, you that
1: it, it's absolutely crazy the amount of time we're spending online. So you reach your customers where they are, right? And so you were talking location, location, location. You suddenly realize the location they are is online. <laughs> this is so. I have a rule uh, for creating content for myself on my site and for every business out there. And the rule is that every piece of content you create shouldn't be trying to sell them anything. It should be giving them value. What do they want out of the content? Always ask, like, why would they spend their time? Because they could be doing it a million other. If you don't give, if at any point, if any single pieces of your content doesn't give them value, they're going, they're tuning you out like they're going somewhere else. So if yours is about, you know, amazing barbecues and stuff and sharing recipes and sauce and your story and ideas and inspiration, those, and your customers love that. That's what you give them. In my Mm -hmm. case, like I'm trying to do now, like in this podcast is I'm trying to give you really practical, usable advice like that you can take home and say, oh my God, I, I'm I going to put those to work. Like yes. I, that's going to actually make a material difference in my business. So that's what I do with my content. That's what, it doesn't matter what industry you're in, look at who you're targeting and what they, why would they go there? Why are they consuming that? And weed out every other piece of thing, every sales pitch, everything, those don't matter. Now, of course, if they value to them could be a coupon Like, oh, come on on Fridays and get half off on, you know, all the ribs or whatever it is, you know, or we're having beer night, you know, German beer night. Those are value to them because that's what they're looking for. But it always has to be tied back to value. Can't just be sell for no reason.
0: So we, when we talk about smartphone storytelling, we talk about how easy it is to publish content online. It's either audio, it's either video, it's written word or it's images. And for us, the more that people embrace that incredible device that's never been given to a business owner until now where we literally can connect with people all over the globe through all these different mediums through storytelling Um, for you have you always been a writer
1: so uh well i was actually dyslexic as a kid so i was really terrible at writing (laughs) but after uh, huge amounts of effort i became a a good writer i would say at this point um what i will say though is all these mediums today on are very visual audio and visual so you uh as you probably know because you're pioneering this for the hospitality business you know show them pictures like okay. people read the text later if they like the picture show okay. them videos make it come alive so whatever you're talking about because people are going a million miles an hour but an image like, mm-hmm. and especially in video is extremely powerful, you know, even, but still pictures are also amazing, especially when it comes to food and vacations and locations, you know, anything in the hospitality business, trust me, we're all on the picture, you
0: know, the,
1: uh, 100%. Any, anybody yep. can say anything on the text, but show me the damn ribs or show me the beach I'm going to be sitting at. That's what makes a difference. So invest in those. Like if you're going to make a big difference in communicating with your customers, invest in like great photographers, like invest in, uh, you know, make sure that every piece of content you put out there is tantalizing. Like it's something people like will stop and look at and like uh, they'll salivate over literally salivate over.
0: So you have a video on your website, uh, about the Hollywood meeting Silicon Valley. And I I think it's very powerful. And obviously coming from you with your background, um in the film industry as well as you know going to school for film and then working in silicon valley with all of these tech startups can you can you talk about that that video about ai coming to life and how that in how that will impact entrepreneurs as well as just consumers moving forward
1: yes yeah, so yeah we're gonna all- we're gonna
0: put a link in the show notes to that video so oh, it, yeah it's very very powerful um, thank you I, I loved it
1: so i'm gonna uh tweak it a little and talk about new technologies. So I write about this in another book. I had two books published last Great. year, Surviving a Startup. Incredible. And the five, two
0: books in one year. Look yeah, at you. I was
1: very, COVID made me very prolific. <laughs> and the five forces that change everything. And the five forces that change everything. In this book, I talk about how technology is going to transform every business on the planet, every business. So when you look at AI, uh, in the world, like in Hollywood, uh, you can go watch that video. But I'm going to talk now about the hospitality business and how these technologies are coming. Great. So already we see robotics entering uh, the restaurant business. Like uh, White Castle is now testing out burger flipping robots. Yep, Massimo
0: Moss, yeah. Troy, Troy Hooper, who's an avid podcast listener, he helps us with our uh, digital hospitality clubhouse calls. But yeah, they're they're huge into robotics, and it's coming. It, it it's already here. It's not coming. It's here.
1: It's here now. Like, yes. so everybody's going to have to upgrade to be competitive, right? Yep. And there's a labor shortage. So it makes all it's perfect timing, right? For this technology. And that's going to cross every food category. Everything that can be automated will be automated over time. Yep. Um, AI is an incredibly a powerful technology, machine learning, because in your, uh, you know, I know I'm in Northern California right now. And... A lot of restaurants have closed because they simply can't get enough staff, yep. right, to do to run them. So you, you should start. People should start thinking today. You know, is there a way where people can interface uh, very naturally uh, with a machine? And AI is getting so good right now at answering questions, at actually processing stuff. You, it can do a lot of what people do, and a lot faster and easier. You know, and if you don't think, if you think people want a human face. Remember, uh, you know, Versa machines at the bank, you know, yeah. when they first came out, people are like, no, I'd rather go talk to a teller. Nobody wants to talk to no teller. No
0: one wants to talk. No to one a wants teller. to wait in line in the future. No one wants to go to a bank.
1: <laughs> yeah. Nobody wants to go. They want to do it on know. their phone. They're uh, 100%. Phone. I
0: don't right. want to go to the bank.
1: So in the future. Uh, nobody's going to want to have to wait for a, a waiter or waitress to come to their table. Like it's already in- it's
0: already here. I mean, we yeah. use toast technology for order and pay back to everyone has a point of sale in their pocket. QR codes, people have already been conditioned how to use QR codes because of the updates to Apple phones and Android phones. It's so yeah, easy it's, it's for somebody our- to it's literally so you sit there and once you experience this digital hospitality, what we call digital hospitality mm-hmm. and what toast has enabled us to do. The next time you go to a restaurant you have to wait for a server to come and bring you, you, you start to get upset because now you're losing that time, right? Why should could- I have to wait when I have the tool? Why, why do, why do I need to tell this human the same thing that I literally can put in and it will go directly to the kitchen? What am I waiting for?
1: Right. And, and it's, it's always so painful to watch them walk past you and go to another table. It's very it's,
0: painful. And it's you're very, waiting, it's not hospitable like to get their attention. Yes. And you know. or you're waiting to pay, you're yeah, waiting you're, to pay, yeah, you're waiting you for leave. them to drop yeah. the check.
1: If you want to see the future, go to Asia now with QR codes, like mm-hmm. Asia has been doing this for, you know, everywhere for decade for over a decade, like yeah. QR codes, they're way ahead of us. And, but literally you go into every store, convenience store, wherever it is, you're QR, paying with everything QR codes, doing everything. So we're just getting on that bandwagon now and you're ahead because you're like pushing the envelope on this. But, you know, most of the places I eat at and I go to still, they don't, they're, they're not even using it yet. They should. Well, but I mean, we, work.
0: we don't have servers in our restaurant anymore. We used to be a full service restaurant. Now we're, we're fast casual. I mean, we're so fast you're casual. Dream.
1: You're my dream technology. Restaurant.
0: Yeah. because Well, I mean, it, it has nothing to do with the job code of server. We've just yeah. repositioned a hospitality worker in our business. More people are making more money at in our new model, as opposed to this old archaic model that didn't make any sense. People, and now we can scale at ways that we never had. I mean, we're 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 ten points lower with our with our our uh, labor cost, our front of the house labor and, cost, and, and, you know, because you of pass technology. That,
1: you can pass that on to the customer.
0: Yeah, exactly, they save money. So exactly.
1: this is the beauty of it. It's a win win for everybody. You know, yeah, and. Uh, since there aren't even enough, there are too many jobs out there and not enough people to fill them, this transition is going to happen. It's being driven right now. It's a really exciting time. But AI is going to become so much more powerful uh, than we ever uh, imagined today. So a lot of decisions that we make as human beings right now are going to be delegated to AI, honestly. So I come into San Diego and I am like, in the mood for ribs and I go, I'm not going to go to Yelp. I'm not going to, you know, I'm just going to say what's the best, you know, to my personal AI, what's the best rib place. Okay. Get me there,
0: Like,
1: get me there or have it delivered to my hotel or wherever I am,
0: you know, I mean that, but that that's exactly right. That is exactly right. And that's why we're building the Amazon prime of barbecue because it doesn't matter. We can't discriminate and make people come into our business and say you have to eat ribs here. You have to wait two hours in line. No, if you come in and you're sitting in a in a hotel overlooking San Diego Bay and you, I want brisket, brisket should come to you. Yeah. And it's our job to show up location, location in the location search so that that we actually are the ones that are delivering and fulfilling that. You're
1: meal. having a barbecue in the park with your family. Correct. Let's get some, let's get some of those ribs. Let's get they're Cali coming.
0: barbecue done. Yeah. Right.
1: They're done. Uh But this decision-making, like where should I travel on my next vacation? Like you can spend hours and it's fun for a lot of people like researching different (laughs) vacations. but but, you know, entertainment factor aside of doing the the homework um, for other people, they're just too busy. And yep. and for other people, even though it's fun, they want the best deal and they want the Correct. best fit for them. AI is going to be figuring all of this out for people in the future. All of it. It's going to be like better than any human travel agents, which we don't have anymore. They've gotten rid of humans. And so now we have to wait through all these menus. But we're not going to be waiting through those menus in the future. We're literally, our trips are going to be planned by an artificial intelligence knows us very well knows what price range we like knows what you know our requirements are for cleanliness for this do we need a pool in the place do we need you know I just I spent five months uh, during COVID traveling across the country in my car working as I go like because I thought well I'm remote anyway it'd be fun you know and I'll tell you it was still a hassle to get a hotel with all the requirements yes. I have, or even more so to get an Airbnb, you know, I want mm-hmm. a certain above. I want. I want. They have to have a laundry machine. They have to be available for this week. They have to have, you know, they yep. have to have this cleanliness rating that I, you know, that I I'm, I trust in this many reviews. Why can't an AI do that? Like. Mm-hmm. In the future, it will be. So we will be like basically giving it general parameters and it will be monitoring our life. And the more we use those AIs, the more valuable they will become. And that, if you're not in the flow of how to use those and getting on their radar, you it's just like you ran a hotel and ignored TripAdvisor,
0: right? <laughs> like, yeah, you, correct.
1: Know, you have to be all over these things because they're the ones going to be the gatekeepers steering the traffic towards you
0: yeah so anybody that's listening to this uh, w- what what should they know about Founders space because um, we got people listening all over the globe Is, is there a way for them to interact or oh
1: yes so, if so you if you want to uh, get in to founder you know we're a startup incubator accelerator. we work in the food tech business with food tech startups, work with all sorts of different startups hospitality startups. If you want to find out about us, just go to foundersspace.com founderspace.com. You can contact me from the webpage. I'm also on LinkedIn and virtually I'm on every social network. So search for Steve Hoffman. And if you want my book, like surviving a startup, just go to survivingastartup.com.
0: That is awesome. We will put links to all three of your books, Um, three books, or how many books do we have?
1: Three. So I make elephants fly, which is about innovation, surviving a startup. You know what it's about. And the five forces that change everything, all about tech changing, our our world.
0: I love it. Well, we're uh, we're super lucky that um, you spent time with us today to to share these stories. Um, this is very impactful. Um, we're very excited. Hopefully when when our episode publishes, we do a weekly clubhouse on Wednesdays at 10 a.m. and Fridays at 10 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. But Uh, We'd love to have you on as a featured guest so that people can ask you questions. Oh, I
1: love it when people ask questions. And I can't wait to get down to San Diego and Ah, go to your barbecue. I can't wait. (laughs) Beautiful. Well,
0: we're we're very excited. We can show you the master smokehouse and media center we're building. We've got uh, two ghost kitchens, our next ghost kitchens coming live here next month. And um, yeah, you are really cool on the things. ball.
1: You are like on the cutting edge.
0: It's- yeah, we've, we've <laughs> learned a lot. O- opening and opening in 2008 and surviving and then doing barbecue on the West Coast and becoming a media company and going all in on technology. We definitely have learned a lot. And that's why we put on this podcast so other people yeah. can can learn Super um, valuable. So, yeah, don't feel free to reach out to me. You guys know at Sean P. Walchef, S H A W N P W A L C H E F. Uh, Stephen Hoffman, CEO of Founderspace. Thank you so much for your time. We are grateful. Uh, We can't wait to see what you build. And if there's anything we can do to support what you guys are doing, please let us know.
1: Thank you.